everybody live again on Monday from the Brooklyn Paper Building in downtown Brooklyn, which, as you know, is America's downtown. It's Brooklyn America. Paper Radio with Gersh Kunstman. That's me of the New York Daily News. And, of course, Vince DiMasselli, my cohort. Hey, Gersh. A very handsome man on my right. Vince DiMasselli, editor-in-chief of the Brooklyn Paper. We have a big, big show today. We're back. We're back after a week off. We took a week off for, so that I could attend the Mike McLaughlin wedding. You know Mike McLaughlin, former Brooklyn Paper reporter. Writer of the search. Did well, you bring? Did you bring my card? I sent the card. The search you. finally ended. He is married. The, the good ones are finally all gone. But just to know, just so you know, what's on the show? We got Gridlock Sam. Sam Schwartz is going to reach us via phone, a telephonic connection. But in studio, we also have Sarah Metz. You know, Sarah is a great Brooklyn lady. Hi, Sarah. Sarah is a great Brooklyn lady who wants us to stop producing garbage in the form of packaging, in the form of. Uh, 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 Produce waste, compostable stuff, right? We just Twinkie wanna, wrappers. We've got to get that stuff Plastic. out of the trash stream. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to Sarah. We're going to get to Sam. But first, I start every show the same way. Vince, how was your weekend? What'd oh, you do? It was Easter weekend. It was a very big weekend. Went big weekend for the non Yeah, I installed a new uh, car stereo in my car over the weekend. You installed a car stereo? Yes, I installed a car stereo. I took apart the whole... You know what is that? The dashboard. How do you even do that? Well, you know, you Crutchfield. You just go online, and and they have this like now. You just you, anything you want to do, you just like YouTube it. You're like, hey, yeah, yeah, How do I? How do I? Uh, how do I? How do I core a pineapple? YouTube it. It's does it? Does it core a apple? A pineapple. Oh, okay. Well, I used to go when I was a kid. I used to put an uh, under dash, you know, tape deck or something. You just you just basically screwed it to the. Well, dash. that was the problem. My my tape deck. Stop working, and I want I wanted to have a new radio that would work with like the Bluetooth and everything, so I could listen to my music and not have to listen to what's on the radio. You like that Connor Oberst, am I right? I do. I listen to that. Well, anyway, as you know, Brooklyn Paper. Thanks, Jimmy, for the uh, noise over there. Appreciate that. That's our sound man, Jimmy. Thanks. Anyway, we as you know, every week Brooklyn Paper Radio, sponsored by Joseph Lichter, DDS, Atlas Steakhouse, and the Brooklyn Spine Center. We'll be hearing from them later. But first, we gotta reach out and talk to Sam Schwartz. Do you want to get him? Hey, is that Sam Schwartz? Sam Schwartz, Gridlock Sam, it's great to have you on Brooklyn Paper Radio with Gersh Kunstman, that's me, and Vince DiMasselli. Thank you for joining us. You're quite welcome. Now, Sam, you're a legend in New York and in Brooklyn and all over the place. You're a transportation giant. We're going to talk to you about some of the big issues of the day. You ready? I am ready. He's 100% ready. Okay. There he goes. Vince, why don't you just start off? Because I've right, no. got so many questions, I don't no, even know where to start. The first thing we wanted to talk about was the was the new congestion pricing plan, the new toll plan. They have a new name for it now? Well, it's called Move New York. Aha. Uh-huh. And uh, it's very different from the old congestion pricing plans because it actually lowers the tolls. Uh, the Verrazano Bridge goes down by $5. That's the my favorite Rockway bridge, by bridges the way. bridges go yeah. down. Throgs Neck, Whitestone, uh, Henry Hudson. And we returned tolls to the four East River bridges. They had tolls until 1911, when Mayor William Gaynor, who came from Brooklyn, uh, decided to remove the tolls, which created a serious problem for me when I was chief engineer in the 1980s, and we had no revenue for the bridges. Just so you know, Sam, full disclosure, I call Gaynor Gaynor the Great. Gaynor the Great. (laughs) Gaynor the Great. (laughs) Well, he may have been great, but uh, in this case, it was uh, penny-wise, pound-foolish, because that money went to uh, maintain the bridges, and we didn't maintain the bridges mm-hmm. uh, after World War II. And as a result, uh, as chief engineer, I closed the entire Williamsburg Bridge. Pieces of it had already fallen into the river. I remember that. Yeah, the Manhattan Bridge. I had to shut trains down on 
the Manhattan Bridge because uh, we were worried about a collapse there. And we had other collapses, the Brooklyn Bridge, cables, diagonal stay cables. I remember they snapped. snapped and killed, killed a someone. Japanese tourist. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You were the guy who shut all those bridges. We hated you for so long. Yes, yes. In fact, when people saw me, they used to run the other way. <laughs> now, I, we, I was, now we like Wherever the guy. there was a no, disaster, I was there. Well, let me. The if I remember correctly, I read the bridge, and when they built the Verizon, I mean the uh, the Brooklyn Bridge, didn't they? Did, wasn't it like part of the deal that it had to have a toll on it when it was originally constructed? Yeah, yeah, and it had a toll from 1883 to 1911, and it had to have a dedicated funding source, which Robert Moses later on did that. So every one of his bridges, there's never been an emergency shutdown on a toll bridge, mm-hmm. and you get what you pay for. And this whole this whole time, um, they've they've always. Ah, I lost my shit. Go, Gersh. Well, I, the funny thing about Vince is he comes in with a book, the bridge. I'm going to go with the gut. I'm not going with the book. Uh-huh. It seems to me, first of all, this plan you said is different from the congestion pricing plan, and that's because it balances the tolls a bit. You'd have East River Bridge tolls, but you'd lower the bridge tolls on the other uh, on the other spans. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of the differences, and we significantly lower it, which makes it easier to do business in a lot of places like Staten Island and mm-hmm. Queens and Brooklyn, where truckers are going to be facing a $100 toll soon, and uh, this slashes their tolls by about uh, 45%. But it's, but it's also different in how we spend the accumulated money. Under previous plans, it all went to transit, and that didn't seem fair to a lot of drivers. So we take a quarter of the money and we put it into roads and bridges because we don't have a dedicated funding source for roads and bridges. This would be the first time and we can't rely on the feds anymore. And another thing, and this was actually Marty Markowitz that first pointed it out to me, oh, pounding on his table yes. and Khrushchev wanting to throw me out. But uh, what he said was, you know, you, you Manhattanites, and I lived in Brooklyn for more than a half century, <laughs> but after the kids grew up, I moved to Manhattan. He said, you Manhattanites, you know, you get all the benefits from the congestion pricing plan. Uh, yet during the course of your day, you'll never cross the Brooklyn Bridge or the Manhattan Bridge and, uh, in a car. And he was right. So we looked at the numbers under the Bloomberg plan. Uh, Brooklyn and Queens were paying more than Manhattan. So we set out to figure out a way that Manhattanites would contribute the most. And so how do Manhattanites contribute to congestion when they're riding taxis and Ubers and others? So there's going to be a surcharge on taxis and Ubers, but only in Manhattan and only south of 96th Street. So all the four hire vehicles will have a special surcharge. And based on that, Manhattan actually contributes the most. So I I like what you're saying. And Sam, I always like what you're saying because you're a credible, respectable guy. But you you said something in there. You said we can't rely on the feds anymore for funding, et cetera, et cetera. I I think that's that's a, what do you call a straw man. I feel like we can rely on the feds. We've got to push them harder. So where are our elected officials the fed, at the federal level, guys like, uh, uh, well, who, I don't even know who they are anymore, but Nadler and, and all those guys, where are they on this? Why are they not getting us the funding we need? We're New York. Yeah, we're New York, and uh, we are suffering from lack of a, uh, a good transportation bill. We lived without a bill for the entire Obama administration mm-hmm. until a few months ago. And that bill is smaller than the bill that we had during the Bush administration. And you have a lot of elected officials who dislike urban areas, and they don't want to invest the money in transit. 
So there is a battle. Yes, our elected officials should fight harder. Yeah. But we're having a very tough time with a House and a Senate that are controlled by Republicans. Yeah, but, that, but again, New York is an economic engine of this country, and the Republican Party, for all its strengths and, and flaws, always says we got to support the small business and we got to support capitalism. Well, building an infrastructure is how you do that. Oh, oh, absolutely. You put people to work. The Move New York plan puts 30,000 people to work, and those are local jobs. No, I'm not just talking about construction, constructing things. I'm talking about if you have a sound, solid infrastructure, B that helps all businesses, not just the, the tax and spend businesses on the, you know, the union jobs you might get out of it. I'm talking about just having an infrastructure. 150 years ago, the Republican Party, under Eisenhower, for example, I guess that's 70 years ago, would have been the first to say, let's build a, a road infrastructure, a.k.a. the interstate highway system. Where did that go, Sam? Yeah, it, it, it disappeared, and Eisenhower really recognized that, and you're right. Good infrastructure investment has about a 4 to 1 ratio mm -hmm. in terms of GDP growth. Uh, but what's happened over the years is it it became a Republican versus Democratic issue. It became a, a low-density versus urban issue. And it's sad to say, because that doesn't occur on the local level. If you look at uh, the mayor of Utah, the mayor of uh, Salt Lake City, or the mayor of Oklahoma City, those are Republican mayors doing some innovative things. But they're the exception. Uh, the problem is on the national level. We can't seem to get people to focus on transit. And so 21 states now have introduced uh, various funding bills, not New York, not New Jersey, not Connecticut, to deal with their local problems because they recognize, and while I agree with you, our elected officials should fight harder, I'm not holding my breath. And that's why the Move New York plan would make us the 22nd state that would deal with this crisis that we have, and that is... Uh, lack of funding at the national level. Okay, so let's let's get down to uh, let's get down to dollars and cents here. So I live on Staten Island. I work in downtown Brooklyn. I take the Verrazano Bridge every day. Under this plan, how much am I paying uh, to get to and from work? Well, you'll be paying eleven dollars and eight cents, um, and that's a one-way toll, as you know, on the Verrazano. Uh huh. That'll drop. But I am, a, I am a Staten Island oh, wait, resident, wait. so I'm, I'm getting my discount. Okay, so so it'll drop to $5.08 for everybody. Okay. And then it'll go down to $3 and change for a Staten Island resident. It's like turning the clock back to 1975. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But that genie's out of the bottle, baby. Let me tell you something. If you unleash all those people coming up in through Brooklyn in cars, isn't that going to have a, what you call a residual effect? Well, that's why you invest in transit, and you make transit much more accessible to the people of Staten Island. Mm. Okay. And uh, that Vince, that's a big part of the program. Vince should really be taking that highly subsidized ferry every morning, shouldn't he? Uh, yeah, he should. <laughs> I mean, I'm paying for it. Vince, I, I'm paying for your ride. It's, it's, it's the weird hours, Gersh, the weird I'm hours. Sure. You know, when the you, long when journalism. Work, yeah, I, I, it doesn't run every 15 minutes all day long. Sure, 15 minutes. He can't wait. Yeah, Meanwhile, he'd rather time. be stuck in an, in an iron steel cage... On the BQE. Well, now that I have that new radio in my car, Gersh, I'm very happy. <laughs> yeah, you didn't hear Sammy installed it. By the way, mentioning the BQE, mm -hmm. that was another topic we wanted to bring up, if we could, Sam. You, you're aware of the triple cantilever, right? Yeah, the triple cantilever. It's a sad story. Well, Gersh. hold on. Let's, let's, uh, let's update our listeners. The triple cantilever, which holds the promenade and both the north and southbound lanes, or east and westbound lanes it's of the BQE. It's an engineering marvel. It's no question it's an engineering marvel, but it was built you know, a long time ago for fewer cars. Now it's crumbling. What are we going to do? Yeah, it was built in 1948 or completed in 1948. 
and it is a marvel. It was Robert Moses Highway, and it was a solution to going through a, a richer uh, person's neighborhood, mm. as opposed to what he did in Sunset Park and other places that the BQE goes through. So it cantilevered means it's only held at one end. Jesus. And so you have these uh, three decks. You have the promenade, as you said, the northbound and the southbound roadways, and they all sit atop Furman Street, which is now the location of the very, very busy and successful Brooklyn Bridge Park. And it should have been rebuilt back in the 90s. Oh, boy. In yep. 2007, we started to work on it. I was part of a team with New York State Department of Transportation. By 2009, they ran out of money, and they said, hey, city, this is your problem. Oh. And now the city has the problem, and I think the city has, at least in its budget now, has about $1.7 billion, which I think it's going to be in excess of $2 billion that they're going to need. And then how do you build it without really disrupting the community? And at one time when we were working on it in 2007, you didn't have a, an active Brooklyn Bridge Park, mm -hmm. so it's much more complicated. Yeah, back then you probably could have rerouted the traffic down onto Furman Street or somewhere around there, but now it, you you can't even do that anymore. There's no where would the traffic go, and and what would they do to actually rebuild it? Do they have to like rip this thing down and put it back up? Do they how would it how would it get done? What are, what are what are the plans like? Well, nobody nobody has a plan. There's no plan. The sad part, what were we doing you know? in what you said 2006? You were talking about something, or they and were... we were looking at alternatives. One would have been a tunnel. Tunnel, which, which uh, would have cost a, a fortune. Doesn't matter. Uh, we were looking at supporting it with columns that would have gone essentially adjacent to Brooklyn Bridge Park. I don't think that's possible any longer with Brooklyn Bridge Park development. A big part of the problem is we really don't know the condition of the BQE. If if you want to get a sense of it, go to the uh, Girolaman Street mm -hmm. uh, as the BQE triple cantilever passes overhead. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll look at concrete, at least on, on the wall, that has spalled off completely, meaning it's fallen. You'll see uh, exposed reinforcing bars, which shouldn't be exposed. They're totally rusted. And that's the problem that we're having on the deck as well. If you look up and you're at Girolaman Street, just look up and you'll see uh, what looks like uh, netting or mesh, and that's to hold the concrete from falling down. The city and the state have identified a number of voids, locations where you have loose concrete. And, I, you know, again, I was an eng the engineer, the chief engineer during the worst period. We had a section of the FDR Drive that collapsed mm -hmm. at 20th Street, and it killed a Brooklyn dentist in, in 1989. That I don't so remember. this is pretty serious. Yeah. Well, I was driving over it a few days ago during a heavy rainstorm, and there was water flowing out of the wall like like a like like a sieve. I mean, it was just no, not like a sieve. It was like a river. Like a, it was just coming out of the wall as if it was like like somebody turned on a hose and it's just spraying out of the wall onto the street. And I'm like, that can't be good. No, no. It means <laughs> it, it, the structure is getting weaker and weaker and. The water attacks the reinforcing bars, especially when it's mixed with some salt, and there's plenty of salt, uh, and uh, the reinforcing bars then corrode, they expand, and that's what loosens the concrete. Yeah, the Brooklyn paper's been writing about this a long time. We're worried that this is an accident waiting to happen, and it's just a matter of time before before this thing collapses. Is that is it a possibility that it could just fall down? I, I think the, the first thing that would happen is that large pieces of concrete would fall down on the roadway. And at that point, uh, the city and state probably would take action to ban trucks. The first vehicles that get banned 
are the heaviest. Wow. And just imagine Brooklyn without the BQE. Where are those trucks going to go? Clinton Street? Court Street? I mean, how can you run them through uh, local streets in Brooklyn Heights? So the tunnel plan that you guys talked about, we did a story on that too. That would have went from basically from like Carroll Gardens, like under, 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 all under, the way to Fort Greene. Under Brooklyn Heights, all the way to Fort Greene? Yes, yes, right to Fort Greene now, under all the bridges. I'm a fan of the Big Dig. Yeah, I, I love the Big Dig. I love the Big Dig. So is, what? what's the chances of something like that happening, getting done? Is it even, is it feasible or is it is the city just not going to do it because of the, the cost involved? The short-term uh, cost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the co- the costs would be enormous. Would there be a big payoff sometime in the future? Yes. It's probably a 15-year uh, project, the, the way these projects go. If you can fund it through some kind of tolls, uh, again, some kind of pricing mechanism, mm-hmm. I think we can get a lot done if we had pricing mechanisms uh, throughout our highway system. Yeah. You know, Every day, someone they, they anybody goes on the subway, they pay it. They pay a fare. When is the day going to come where, when you hop into your car, you're going to go past something at the end of the block that's going to charge you two fifty? Do you think that's going to happen? Well, that's what I'm hoping with the Move New York plan. Because you're right, if you cross the Manhattan Bridge, for example, or the Brooklyn Bridge, or Williamsburg, uh, since 2000, if you've taken the subway, you've had five toll increases. And you're about to get your sixth in uh, March of next year. Uh, but since 2000, and actually since 1911, the charge for cars crossing those bridges has never changed. Yeah. It's still zero. I'm going to speak out for all the subway riders right now and just say, you know what, Sam? We're all getting screwed by guys like Vince in their little steel and iron cages. Am I right? I mean, you can <laughs> say it. You can say it. Just because Vince is on the show, you can say it. <laughs> Vince, take transit next time. <laughs> there you go. Now, Sam, I got to bring in Sarah Metz. I don't know if we we introduced her before you came on the show. Sarah is a trash and composting advocate. She wants to reduce all of the garbage in the city, but she's also a proud Brooklynite. Sarah, do you have any questions for Sam? Just throw it out there. I yeah. Well, first I was just thinking that I'm very glad I don't have a car. There you go. Point, um, point one for Sarah. Uh, yeah. Um, but I'm just wondering what the life of this thing is. Like, what is what is the estimate for how much longer it's going to last? that segment of the BQE. Yeah, the life was 50 to 60 years, so oh, that occurred uh, about 15 years ago. I mean, I'm not good at math, Sarah, but it seems to me we're a couple of decades past that. I mean, right. a, a decade and a half. Hmm. Yeah, we, we are, and that's <laughs> why you're seeing pieces begin to crumble. Pieces are falling to the ground. And water pouring out of it. So is yep. it really that they wait until it actually collapses, that they, they would wait until that happens? Well, we thought uh, that we would solve this problem back in 2007. And uh, then the funding dried up, and now the city is putting in a couple of billion dollars to uh, hopefully uh, act soon before we do have a calamity on the, on the BQA. It sounds like, and I hate to put it in these terms, Sam, but I'm a journalist. It sounds like someone's going to have to die before we do anything. Is that accurate? Uh, that's what happened uh, with the bridges in the 1980s. I, I could not get attention from government. I didn't have the funding. If you remember, we went bankrupt in in the 70s, and no one was paying attention to the bridges. They were doing things like laying off the bridge painters, which is uh. the dumbest thing to do, or, or the people that oil the movable parts of the bridges. And yes, we had some fatalities. We had the West Side Highway collapse. Mm. As I mentioned, the cable snaps on the Brooklyn Bridge, that was a fatality. We had uh, fatality on the FDR Drive. Uh, upstate, we had 
Francisco Harry Bridge collapse, which killed 10 people. I remember that one. In Connecticut, right nearby, the Mianus River Bridge killed three people. Oh, yeah. So you're right. It's sad, but um, that does spark action. Wow, it well, sounds like it sounds like there's your there's your headline, Vince. Someone has to die. Yeah, pa if past is prologue, that's that's what's. Oh, going past on. is prologue. There's there Vince DiMasselli pulling out another book on us. What was that? Go. Faulkner? Is that Faulkner? I don't know who that. Was. I thought I thought it was like JFK or something. Might have been the Bible. Where is that from? Past is prologue. I don't know. Sam, anybody? Nobody. Nope. Nobody. No, all right. No, well, no. we're all a bunch of well-read people. Sam, Sam, when you talk about the crises when you were the chief engineer, it's like you're the guy with his finger in all the dikes, and it's just leaking all over. It's like, you. how many arms did you have back then? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty scary. Let, <laughs> let me tell you, I lost a lot of sleep. I, uh, there were many times uh, that the police would pick me up and either fly me by helicopter to some disaster, uh, and, uh, you know, we were praying that we wouldn't have a disaster we we made it through but we had a couple of fatalities and we did have some 20 bridges that i closed all of or part of for mm. fear of collapse wow. mm. well sam we got to let you go because you've been doing a, the lord's work here and you're a yeah. busy man you're working on the the east river bridge tolls you're talking about the bq and i know you're going to talk someday more about that trolley plan that vince and i've been talking about every week on the show someday we're gonna have you back on that okay okay i but look anyway, forward to it got sam it. great talking to you really great man appreciate it Thank you. Thanks, Sam. All right, Sam. We got to pay some bills, and then we're gonna then we're gonna be on the phone with Sarah. We're gonna have Sarah Metz in the studio. We gotta pay a bill. We gotta do something. Jimmy, can I get some music from my uh, Spine Center ad here? Uh, Sarah, That's let nice. me ask you a question. Sarah, sure. has yeah. low back pain ever kept you on the sidelines of life, unable to do the things that make you active and happy? It like you're sure not even has. you're not even able to you know go padding by the hoof. Patting by the hoof, that's a hobo term. Anyway, uh, well, listen, I can get you some nonstop spinal decompression at Brooklyn Spine Center. I gotta say, Jimmy and Johnny, I don't know what's going on over there. Spinal decompression has been proven effective in relieving the pain associated with bulging and herniated discs, degenerative disc disease, which is what I have, sciatica, and even failed back surgery. Here's how they do it, Sarah. They got a machine, it's called the DRX 9000. It's a decompression device that applies a distraction force to relieve the nerve compression that causes the low back pain. It's a pumping action. The machine allows the body's own nutrients to flow back into the affected area. So listen, you want to find out more on it, Sarah, do you? I do want to know more. There you go. All you got to do is call the Brooklyn Spine Center at 718-234-6207 to schedule an initial consultation. That's with Melinda Keller, and she'll tell you if you're right for the uh, DRX 9000. Anyway, the number again is 718 234-6207 or visit the website at brooklynspinecenter.com. Now, it's interesting you should say that, because well, when was the last time you saw a quality dentist who was truly affordable? If your answer is... I never did. Well, not since that dentist died on the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. That's terrible. If your answer has been too long... All right. I can't. Hold on, guys. I'm sorry, the sound is... I'm getting a giant echo in here. Yeah, Vince is upset. You sound fine. Vince is so upset that he can't well, even do gotta, the ad. I gotta fix. Oh no! I'll do this one. I'll do this one. Atlas Steakhouse offers you a unique dining experience. First, you choose a steak, cut to tender perfection on site. Then you pair it with a vintage from our extensive wine selection or an Atlas Steakhouse signature cocktail. Sarah, do you, you eat meat, don't you? I do. She eats meat. Okay. Well, you can enjoy a succulent appetizer, and the master craft will sh the master chef will craft it any way you desire. Medium rare. How do you like a steak, Sarah? Medium. 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 A little overcooked. Okay. <laughs> and when your main course arrives, you'll understand why Atlas Steakhouse always offers you a cut above the rest. That's Atlas Steakhouse, 943 Coney Island Avenue. 
visit Atlas Steakhouse at atlassteakhouse.com. We're going to try it again. When was the last time you saw a quality dentist who was I, truly affordable? I tell you, Vince, I've never seen a quality dentist who was truly affordable. <laughs> if your I never did. Has been, it's been too long to remember. Then it's time to see Dr. Joseph Lichter. Dr. Lichter's state-of-the-art dentistry is offered at extremely reasonable prices so that almost anyone can afford to get the smile they deserve. And right now, his prices are even more affordable because listeners of Brooklyn Paper Radio can get special low prices for some of Dr. Lichter's most popular procedures. For example, Invisalign. That's expensive. That's the virtually invisible alternative to metal braces, which usually cost 5000 or more. That's what I said. At Joseph Lichter DDS, you save more than $1,000. So it's like $3,000. There you go. I don't know how much it costs, but you're going to save more than 1000 That's what matters. This is the savings, Gersh. Porcelain veneers can go for a thousand or more. At Dr. Lichter, you'll pay only six seventy-five. So you're saving like seven hundred dollars. I'm saying six seventy-five. Okay. And get the bright white smile you've always dreamed of. For a limited time, Dr. Lichter is offering the Zoom teeth whitening procedure for only three ninety-five. Call Dr. Lichter's office today at 718-339-7878 to set up an appointment that will make you smile. That is 718-339-7878. Dr. Lichter, as you know, is located at 1420 Avenue P. That's for periodontal. Between East 14th and East 15th Streets in Midwood. You can visit them online at josephlichterdds.com. All right, we paid our first round of bills. Thank you, Jimmy and Johnny. We got to get, well, listen, Vinny, I know you want to get to the final four. We got to talk about the final four. Syracuse game. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Well, we got Sarah Metz in the office here. Sarah Metz, an in studio pair. She's got great teeth, and she wants to talk to us a little bit about a crazy scheme she's got. Now, I say crazy out of respect. I'm a member of the Park Slope Food Co op. As is Sarah, and you know I'm working on Murder at the Food Co op. It's my forthcoming musical at the Fringe Festival this summer. We'll be plugging that all night. But anyway, Sarah's at the Food Co op, and she's, she's disgusted by waste. She's disgusted by packaging in supermarkets. You buy like a, a, an underarm deodorant, Sarah, you know what I'm talking about. Not only does it come in a box, it is itself a box. The whole thing's a box. It's like, why can't they just give us... Well, anyway, we'll let Sarah talk about it. Sarah, yeah. you're talking about... Well, let's just go over your plan, because I know you're on Kickstarter trying to raise some money for your plan called The Fillery. Is that what it's called? That's it. So tell us just the basics of the plan, and then we're going to grill you like a piece of salmon. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, so the fillery is going to be essentially a package-free grocery store, for the most part, package-free. So our primary focus will be on bulk food items, mm. mostly dry goods. So everything from rice and beans and um, tea, coffee, to spices. We'll have at least 150 spices. Mm. But we will also have liquids, so oil and vinegar, plus household cleaning products. Um, and that will be... Um, supplied by a company here that's based here in Brooklyn. Well, how am I getting oil and vinegar home? In bottles. You either bring your own or we will have bottles there that are available. BYOB at the supermarket. There or you go. BYOC, bring your own container. Oh, it could be any kind of container. It obviously. could be, yes. All right, so it's called the fillery. Mm -hmm. Now, we're years away from having a brick and mortar store, but the idea is bulk food, stuff that you can. But what if I show up at the fillery? It's a regular public store, and I don't have my bottles and cans. Are I going to buy it from, from you? You can, or for the dry goods, we will have compostable paper bags. You nice. know, most, most brown bags are compostable. Sure. Yes. We will have those for free. I had that argument with my uh, reporter on that one. Oh, well, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I said, well, because she wrote there was compostable bags. And I was like, well, every every paper bag is pretty much compostable, yeah, right? It's paper. Right. Paper Unless bag, it's right? plastic lined. Yeah. Oh, of course. Right. All right. So so where'd you come up with this idea? I mean, what was the what repelled you or repulled you, repulsed you to do this? Well, I... I 
I'd say I've been an environmental advocate for as long as I can remember. Um, I enjoy cooking. I enjoy cooking for myself, but also for other people. And when I moved to New York, I had access to better things, for sure. Um, and I, I, being a member of the Park Slope Food Co-op, I really grew to like shopping from the bulk bins. Yeah. And just in recent years, I've become more and more aware of the amount of waste that we generate. And I've been very careful to limit the amount of waste that I produce. I'm careful about the things I buy. I make sure that if I am buying something that is plastic or glass or metal, that it's at least highly recyclable. Um, and so more and more, I was just shopping from bulk bins and wishing that there was something that, that covered more ground than the typical bulk sections in grocery stores. But, but here's my question, Sarah. You claim, here come the tough questions. Oh, boy. You claim to produce basically one can of garbage a month, like one can's worth well, of garbage. One trash can. One trash can. Yes. How do you do That's that? That's nothing How compared to some people. How do I do that? Yeah. Well, I do I do buy from the bulk um, section a lot. I think part of it also is that I'm shopping for one person. So that mm. certainly makes it easier. Um, so one person, you're producing a lot of garbage now that you mentioned that. I thought maybe you had a whole family of six in there or something. Oh, no, no, no. Well, and I, I, w I mean, I couldn't even say that I produce one trash can per month even. That's... All right, but how do you produce so little? Because a guy like me and Vince, like, we're just like, Oof. I make a steak dinner for Vince. There's, there's fat, there's, there's right. the Brussels sprout ends, there's I love those. the packaging. There's a, next thing you know, I'm taking a whole can of garbage out, and that's just right. one dinner, one night. And by the way, you haven't had Brussels sprouts until you had Gersh's Brussels sprouts. Thank you. Sprouts. Thank okay, you, Vince. So we'll I appreciate exchange that. recipes later. Oh, yeah. I see, Sarah. Okay. You're going to ramp it up that <laughs> way, huh? No, how do you make so little garbage? So, well, so you're talking about some things right now that are going into your trash that actually don't need to be going into the trash in the first place. Mm. So... Well, you, a flush lot of you flush them down the toilet? Where do they go? No, you do not flush them down the toilet, oh, especially in New York pipes. No, they. a lot of what you were just talking about can go into the compost ah, if you're yeah. able to compost. Mm -hmm. So even meat scraps, yeah. if your neighborhood does the curbside uh, composting program that the city put in place, mm. um, or just is starting to roll out, I should say, then, then yes, you can compost all of those food scraps. You can compost soiled paper products. Um, whoa, 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 yeah. soiled paper products. Sarah, I, I, my mind goes here. This oh, is where geez. I go. But oh, uh, yeah. are you talking about toilet paper? I am not talking about. You're toilet not. Paper. No. Could I compost used toilet paper? I wouldn't recommend that. No, Why? I, Why? I don't think that compost facilities really want to take um, human waste. I am trying mm -hmm. to reduce the waste stream, Sarah. I don't like to flush stuff down a toilet, other than the the feces itself. Right. Sorry, I don't have a recommendation, no recommendation. for you there. You once used a toilet that was you not... You could get a bidet. Didn't you use a toilet that was... Uh, yeah, you should go to brooklynpaper.com and watch my video of me using a composting toilet. <laughs> I had... Sarah, you don't know this, but I drank like six cups of coffee. I had a big bowl of fiber cereal. Mm -hmm. okay. And I was ready for that toilet. And i got to tell you, it was ready for me. <laughs> That's, I, I think we should all have those composting toilets. You didn't flush, Gersh. You just had to sprinkle some, like, like sawdust. This sawdust really exists? Yeah, this, yeah, this video of you doing this? There is, there is. I oh, mean, you don't actually see any, any of the you know, stuff that we'd have to censor. Okay. All right, so the point is you're not, you are producing toilet paper, am I right? I do produce toilet paper. And you flush it down the toilet. I flush it okay, down so the toilet. Okay, so you're not opposed to indoor plumbing. I think it's taken care of anyway. Once that gets flushed down the toilet, that doesn't end up in the, uh, in, you know, it, it, it goes through, it gets treated. Water. Right. No, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, wait, what do you mean it gets treated? It doesn't just disappear, Vince DiMasselli. No, goes. it gets turned into what? the sewage treatment plant. They, they take all that stuff out. And, well, where, and where do they put it? Well, then they dump it in the ocean, I believe. They, where do they dump it, Sarah? Where do they dump oh, it? Oh, no, they used to, I saw this thing on, uh, <laughs> on NPR, they used to, like, ship it out to, like, 
somewhere in Texas to like yeah. these farms yeah, and stuff. Like but then they stopped the doing that because they, yeah. No, the <laughs> fact is, if you flush it down the toilet, and I, when I say it, I, I, you know, we're all men of the world here, women of the world. It's it's not just gone. It goes into the into the landfill, doesn't it? As far as I'm concerned, it's gone. <laughs> well, that's that's what they want you I'm, to think. I'm driving cars. I'm flushing toilets. All right. Well, let me ask Sarah the I question. Not, yes. The bathroom at the fillery. When you finally build your your dream uh, supermarket. Yes. Where are the toilets going to flush to? The normal the normal sewage yes, system. Yes, they will go through the normal sewer system. Oh. I would challenge you to get one of those composting toilets, and I'll do a video. Yeah, that would that that'd be nice. That be the fillery too. The fillery too. Right. I don't know. I feel like every time I compost, it's like I got a bunch of hobos looking for spare biscuits. You know what I mean? You guys that, know what I mean? That's spare loose. biscuits that's looking loose. for food in a garbage that's can. That's from the hobo is. dictionary. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Sarah, I'm very proud to say that you're a member of the food co-op. I am. Yes. It, no, but I'm proud because now I'm going to grill you again. Okay. At the food co-op, do you think we do a pretty good job of, of reducing waste? A pretty good job, yes. I have to say, though, when the plastic bag vote came up, oh. I was pretty disappointed that we voted to keep the plastic yeah. bags in place. I at least wish that we would switch to some that are plant-based plastics. Plant-based plant plastics? Based. Yes. Wait, what do you mean? Like a plastic bag that... that like a rubber bag? No. No. No, it's no, like cornstarch corn 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 bags. A cornstarch bag? Yes. What well, can I do? It? So I get it home, and then I can mix it into my dinner as like, can I eat it? No, no, oh, okay. no, you don't <laughs> eat it. There are edible spoons now, though. Um, but no, there, there are plant-based plastics and that underwear. supposedly are biodegradable, though I, I think a lot of people are testing that theory right now. So I'm not sure how. Wait, let's go back to those edible spoons. So Willy Wonka <laughs> said you can even eat the dishes. You're oh. saying that's almost true. Oh, yes, I believe there's, there is something up on Kickstarter right now, edible spoons. You know, what's going on with it? Jimmy, can we get Kickstarter on the phone? Because all they do is they have all these great oh, ideas. You're coming right back to it going down the toilet. You're, if you eat the spoon, you're flushing <laughs> it down the toilet. That's right. You eat the spoon, your body processes it, and then you crap it out. That's what's going to happen. Well, that's true of all food, Vince. Yeah. I mean, in most cases. Sarah, you, so let's go back. You're saying <laughs> there's cornstarch bags. Right. Or, but, right. Or, okay. And the, just, Vince, because you don't know because you're quite a conservative, although handsome. Thank uh, you. You don't know the Park Slope Food Club had this unbelievably controversial vote. And I'm not talking, Sarah, about the Israel versus Palestine vote, which was indeed controversial. That was too. The plastic bag vote, and as Sarah Metz pointed out, we did not vote to get rid of plastic bags. We still have plastic bags at the co-op. Right. We do also sell reusable bags, which is something we will do at the fillery as well. Okay. So there are there are mesh bags that you can purchase. There are cotton bags that you can purchase to use to fill any of the, with any of the dry goods or with produce. I, mean, I like this idea, Sarah. So where is the fillery? Where are you hoping to be based? My hope is Prospect Heights. Nice. There is a space I've been looking at Ooh. that is in that neighborhood. We Wait, scouted out a location. Are you? Oh that, yes. Are you that close to opening? Oh yes, I have. I yes. Well, this Pretty is close. close. Are you still taking investors? Uh, thinking about it. <laughs> well, because you're going to need some capital. Right. Uh, I do have an investor. Oh, uh, angel investor, if you will? Uh, she, she's going to stay in it for the long run, I think. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's no possum well, belly. Well, Gersh is just throwing money around. Gersh, how much are you going to give to her? Well, you hear what happened, Sarah. Last week, we had two weeks ago, we had this kid on who's making a movie about the, 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 decline, the decline of bodegas. And I went, I, and I'm not going to do it again, so don't get your hopes up. But I said, you know what? Anybody gives to his Kickstarter right now between now and 8 p.m., I'll match every dollar. Okay. And then he raised $300, right? I had to give $300. So, so it's Vince's turn. To it's yeah, Vince. <laughs> there you go. No, but I think, listen, Sarah, if you're taking investors and you're actually going to, like, I could become a, on the ground floor, if you will, 
I may pledge up to and including $100. There you go. On Kickstarter today? No, no, no. I'm you mean as an investor? As an investor. I want to be like an... A, I like see. A, what do you call that? Like a, a golden friend of... Friend of Fillory level. We can, we can probably we'll work, work something that out. out. I'm yeah. going to invest. So I am putting my money where my waste stream is for the Fillory. About time. So what, you're thinking of opening this year? Oh, yes. Oh, she's going to open this year. This yes, that's the, that's the goal. This is I, actually a big thing just on a neighborhood level for Prospect Heights, which suffers, I think, from not having enough uh, of this kind of thing. Am it I right? does. I've lived in the neighborhood for about nine years. And um, when I started doing research for the fillery, I counted and I believe I found 50-ish bodegas within a 10-block radius of my home and maybe five grocery stores. So, and most of these places do not have a bulk section. If they do, it's maybe 10 items. Um, so, yeah. So How are the prices going to be? Come on, let's talk turkey. Right. Well, so one of the good things about buying from bulk bins is that you're not paying for the packaging. Mm -hmm. Or the extra transportation that, that is, is included involved in the with price, I would think. You buy a baby root bar, that wrapper is not free. Oh, absolutely, and it's you, you know there's extra transportation that's involved for packaged items. So I, my hope is that that for the most part things will be less expensive than their packaged counterparts. Mm -hmm. Now, do you think yeah. you're going to start a counter revolution? I.e., once you open, all these other stores are going to say, what 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 are we doing with all this packaging? And then maybe the city department of sanitation will use you as some sort of model. For what stores should do. You think that we are, right now on Brooklyn Paper Radio, do you think we are like present at the creation, and that's also a literary reference, present at the creation of something quite great? I would be pretty happy if that was the case. I mean, that's pretty lukewarm. I think we are present <laughs> at the creation <laughs> of something amazing. I mean, right? Because you're going to, you're other stores have bulk items, but you're talking about a package free, you know, entire environment without packaging. Right, it's true. Well, right. Um, I think a big part of, of my hope for the Fillery, too, is to educate consumers and really help them think more about their purchases, whether it's at the Fillery or somewhere else. Um, you know, I, I want people to just stop and think before they buy things um, and consider, you know, whether or not there are more sustainable alternatives. Hmm. All right, so let me ask you a question. I go to the Fillery. Can I get gumballs? Gumballs? We will have some candy in bulk. Mm. Um, I have not located gumballs specifically, but I do have someone who will be supplying chocolate. Oh. So, so I have chocolate in bulk. So I just go in, I scoop it out, I put it in a bag, and I pay for it by the pound. That's right. Well, you, you may put it in a bag. You may put it in a container that you're going to wash later. Right. Now, how do you weigh? Do you weigh it before you put it in the container, ah. or do you weigh the container first? How you does weigh that the so that's called establishing the tear. So Ooh, the, tear the tear is the weight. Oh, we get, we're getting into the vernacular <laughs> of the That's like a uh, hobo dictionary, right? Yeah. I don't know if that's a hobo term, but you can add it to your list if you want. Uh, we, can, we can look it up. How about um, Legos? You're gonna have Legos? I go to the Lego store. They got those now. Oh, no, yeah, we're yeah, not yeah. gonna have Legos. No, see, oh, that's really. I guess well, you can't really eat a Lego. The Lego, they're working to make their plastic um, um, more sustainable. I believe they're trying to use recycled plastics now to make mm -hmm. Legos mm -hmm. yeah. and recyclable. I'm not so sure about that. Like, I think if you bury a piece of Lego in the in the ground, it, it eventually it'll, it'll it'll come apart. No, I disagree. I think if you bury a Lego, I think in fact, I for think thousands of years. they're going to dig us up in like 20,000 years. Not only are they going to find all my old resumes, but they're going to find Legos. What about your records? My, my All of my records, all my videos will be under. No, I'm telling you, the Lego pieces are indestructible. Right. How about wine? Can you get wine? You going to have wine at your store? 
Th that will depend on whether or not I can get a license. To oh, but do you're that. thinking about it. I am considering it. So how would you how would you bring home? You'd you'd have like a big jug of wine there, and then you how does that well, work? It would work sort of like growlers do for yeah. beer. Wine on tap. Like, you can have right, wine on wine tap. Wine on tap. Very good. Yep. You know you could probably partner if you pick. Where's you know the location? There might be a wine store right next door. And you There's a wine store across the street across from the, street. the location well, I'm looking at. <laughs> but you could partner. You could be like a special discount for fillery refillers. You know what I mean? Right. See, I'm thinking, this is what an investor does. You yeah. call me in as an angel investor, Sarah. That's the kind of, and I'm not going to I'm not gonna take a lot of your time. I'm just, every once in a while, I'm going to call you up and say, hey, I had another idea, Sarah. Mm -hmm. And you'll be like, oh, that's a really good idea. And that's free, Sarah. Or not. That's, or not. Or not, but that's free. I can tell you're going to be a good partner. Well, I'm, I'm not a silent partner, I'll tell you that much. No. <laughs> All right. We've got to get out. Sarah, just give us the last bit. Plug it. Plug away. Just tell the listeners, we, we do this for our guests. You can plug anything you want to anything plug. Anything you want. You don't even talk about the filler. You talk about something else. Talk about anything oh you my. want. Go. It's your minute. So unexpected. A full minute. Well, okay. no, whatever you want to say. <laughs> like something we left out. You want to you just, you know. Yeah, did we forget anything? No, I, I don't think you forgot anything. I just, I, I really the hope. The website, maybe you want to Oh, well, website, the website, yes. It's www.thefillery.com. The Fillery. The Fillery. The Fillery. Dot com. And you're still taking uh, donations we on the Kickstarter? We are until 7 p.m. on Friday. Whoa, this is go. timely. Right, it now, sure is. Now, how close are you to your uh, to your goal there? Have you Are, are you near it? We are about $1,000 away from our goal of $15,000. Gosh, that's nothing. That's nothing. Profit. All right, I will match every donation up to $5 right now. Go for it, guys. <laughs> no. Sign no, on. Seriously. I'm gonna, Sarah, I'm going to go online and I'm going to give you a couple of bucks, but I, I expect a T-shirt. We don't do t-shirts. You can have a tote bag. I expect a tote bag. You've got a tote bag. Okay, there you there go. go. Sarah Metz, everybody. Now, Sarah, stick with us, because we're going we're gonna to call in one of our top editors, who's a big fan of yours. I'm going to get her on the phone right now. We'll call her in. Can we get the morning paper segment? we gotta, we got to pay some bills. You don't know how to use a I phone. I do this. No, we'll pay some bills at the end of the show. All right, just All get right. Ruth in here. You want to just get Ruth in here? That's there it. We go. That's why. How hard is it? I read the morning paper. That's right, Ruth Brown. Come on in. You're on Brooklyn Paper Radio. Where's she gonna sit? She's gonna sit next Our to Sarah. Our fourth microphone is is in the shop. Well, we gotta talk to Ruth Brown. I hope she's coming in. Sarah, coming make a little in. room for her. There's Ruth Brown. Ruth's gonna sit. Ruth next Brown, to editor in chief. There. Thank you for slamming the door. Ruth Brown, editor in chief of the Brooklyn Paper. No, no, deputy editor. Let's get it straight. Come on. Here. Listen, she does a great job. No, Ruth. she does a fantastic job. And I'm gonna paint the word picture just for one second, Ruth. I love your haircut. It's totally stylish. It's totally on fleek. I love it. Thank you, Gish. Yeah, <laughs> it's a real honor. Say hi to um, say hi to Sarah Metz. Hi, Sarah Metz. Hi. So, um, yeah, they're a microphone. Ruth yeah, Brown. Ruth crazy. Brown is in here to talk about a couple of stories that I saw this week in the Brooklyn paper that were above above reproach mm. in every way. The first one was that story about Pier Six. Now, you guys edited that. You put it up today. Ruth, give us a 20-word summary, and then we're going to grill you like a piece of salmon. Oh, 20 words. 20, well, 20 I'm sure all of our readers are familiar with the ongoing battle over. Uh, the development at Pier 6 in Brooklyn Bridge Park. Uh, essentially, the park wants to build uh, some very large housing towers, and most of the local residents would prefer they did not. And many, many local residents. Many. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The most recent development uh, is that the developer sent a letter to the state saying, you need to green light this, yeah. or Put our backers are going to pull out. Right, Put so up or shut up. First, first question, Ruth. It's a great story, and, and our readers are certainly up to date, but why is this happening now? I thought the project was already approved. 
Uh, the project was approved originally, and then two things happened. Number one is de Blasio, um, I believe it was mostly de Blasio's influence, decided and, he would like to put some uh, so-called affordable, or as we like to call it at the Brooklyn paper, below-market-rate housing into the building. Subsidized housing, yes. Mm-hmm. And de Blasio's home? <laughs> I always ask. So that. the mayor wants to do Met so, so the mayor the mayor kind of blew up the plan and delayed it a bit. Yeah, so that happened. Also what happened though is that some of the activists uh, took them to court over it and part of the settlement for this lawsuit was that the state would have to sort of look over this project mm-hmm. and reapprove it, okay. which I think a lot of people at the time, probably myself included, thought was really just kind of going to be another rubber stamp, but it really hasn't turned out that way at all. I think the state apparently was quite shocked at the level of vitriol <laughs> directed no, towards this project. That is, that is, I gotta tell you something, Ruth. I'm a huge fan of yours, I, and I think you and Vince do a fantastic job. I think the opposition to this is overstated. I'm just gonna say that out there. I think it's overstated. I think it's a handful of activists, and I respect them immensely. But I do not think if you had an accurate poll of Brooklynites, all of them, all of them, I think you'd have a very small minority opposing that building. I think you're just pushing your agenda. Guys. I am. That's what I'm That's doing. I'm on agenda. a radio show. You're not, you're I don't not. know. I think if you went down to the park and said, how do you feel about building a 30-story building in this park, most people would say not not so much. No, well, okay. Well, you said 30 stories. That's the taller one. The smaller one is I what? Think, I, you know what? I'd actually have to look it up. I think I'm it's not, 14 and 30, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, something like that. Because yeah. you're always saying taller, higher, better, stronger, faster. Yeah, and more affordable units. I, I, I salute the mayor for getting in, in the way of the plan. Trying to make it better. I don't know if he did, and I don't know if it's going to happen. Anyway, the point is, this is, we lost that battle. I remember the Brooklyn paper was right out front opposing development inside the park footprint. We, we called it Brooklyn no, Bridge, quote, many, park. We, we didn't even call do. it a park. Let's, let's go back. For many years, they always promised that there wouldn't be any condos in the park. There wouldn't be any uh, construction. The park had to be self-sustaining. Yeah, yeah. But for years, that was the big lie. They the always said... Apartments. They apartments. always said they weren't going to do it. And then one day they said, oh, oh, and by the way, we're putting in apartments. Okay, so that's fine. But we lost that battle. Am I right, Vince? You and I... Well, they built apartments, so yeah. We yeah, we lost, lost that battle. There's a, a building going up right now. I'm not now. saying we were battling for it. We were just exposing the lie. Okay, well, exposing the lie. Okay, Vince, you did a great job. I'm trying to pat you on the back. <laughs> You're a handsome man. Thank you. The fact is we lost. So why do the activists think, no, we being the people who oppose those buildings inside the... Yes. Why those do, people lost. Why do we think that these people now get a second bite at that apple? Ruth? Well, I mean, I think people dislike something. They're going to keep They're fighting gonna keep against doing it. it. If, you ask the, uh, if, you pa- if you ask the opponents of it, they would say that the park at this point is self-sustaining. It is earning enough money through the various condos, hotels, stores, offices marinas that are coming in. And yeah, but is that true? Is that true? We don't look, know. It depends who you ask. If you ask the financial gurus who the park has paid for reports, they say no. If you ask the financial gurus that the activists have paid, they say yes. And mm. I am not a financial guru, so I am not even going to attempt to an- analyze the numbers and tell you who's correct. Well, you're better than a financial guru because you got the <laughs> I mean, Oh, I'm an arts graduate. <laughs> well, you got the, but you got the truth. <laughs> From an Australian university, no less. You got the truth on your side, though. It, se- it seems to me we don't actually know. I'm not blaming you. I think we don't really know if the park is making the money it said it would I make. think that's correct. And also, you know, one of the debates is about how much they should have because mm-hmm. the original agreement was that they should have just enough. Like, they shouldn't be, you know, having any extra money. They just need, need just enough. And the park would argue that that is a dangerous situation to be in and they need some buffer room sure. for any sort of disasters that go wrong, which <laughs> certainly can go wrong when you have a waterfront property yeah. in Brooklyn. Yeah, waterfront property in the age of global warming. So mm-hmm. that's oh, something to think end. about. Get those marine borers. All right, so let's get out for a second. It seems to me, though, those buildings are going to get built. Am I right? The mayor wants them because he wants the affordable units. What you got, Ruth? Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, I, I'm not 
privy to what goes on in amongst the state economic development uh, Empire not. State Development Corporation. All right, Sarah Metz, what's your gut tell you? What do you think? Oy. I, you know, I think uh, they're going to go up. They're yeah, just they're going like up. Just like all of the other developments that have been, you know, um, fought in Brooklyn, the developments always win. There's too much money on the street. W- what could happen, though, is um, actually that they could take out the so-called affordable component. Uh, because if they did that, then, you know, the change wouldn't have happened. And therefore, it would uh. actually make it easier for it to go through, and then everybody would be miserable. Oh, then they really would. <laughs> then, ah. then nobody no. except the developer would be happy. And no, they but would then be very they, happy. They then they would get the rubber stamp they could have had before. You're saying if they didn't change the plan. Uh, yeah, I think if they uh. took, if they took the affordable component out, then it would actually make things simpler for them. But I maybe not politically. Obviously, that would upset the De Blasio administration. Uh, quite a lot, I suspect. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't care about the de Blasio administration's sensitivities. I well, care about... Well, neither do I, but I'm sure there's a lot of politics that is going on behind the scenes here. Well, yeah, but I want affordable units, and I want us... If we're going to have this park with the $150 billion budget it seems to have to maintain it, because it's a world-class park, we need some way to do that, and I want a funding stream. Am I wrong about that? I want a funding stream. <laughs> want a funding stream. Well, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of funding streams going on in there. No, no but, but what I'm saying is, Ruth, I want affordable units. I want them in the park. If they're going to have this park be the backyard for the rich at 360 Furman, a.k.a. 1 Brooklyn Bridge Park, or that new building that Walentis is building inside the park, and it's going to be a, a backyard for rich people, I want some affordable units in there. Is that, is that so wrong? I'm with the mayor on this. Sure. I think one of the, one of the contentious issues over that is, though, the argument is if, if they can afford to put affordable units in there, do they really need... This building. I see what you're saying. Uh, I see so what you're saying. Yeah, you know, you t- I'm, t- I'm coming around the, on this. That's one of the arguments. I am coming around <laughs> on this. We don't need those buildings because if we can afford to subsidize the units, we don't need the buildings. I would also say, you know how some people would probably argue, you know how they traditionally pay for parks? Taxpayer dollars. Yeah. You know, Tax and spend. Government, governments pay for parks. You know, they are a public good. Ruth, so that is an option. I think, I've always know, said that. That's why we wanted Brooklyn Bridge Park to be a real park in the parks department budget and that means we got to fight every year to get the funding and that's what the that's what politics is right what do they call it politics is the is the art of what is it the art of something follow the money follow <laughs> <laughs> no but we got to get out ruth brown great job on that now last question i want to ask you i want to ask you the same question i asked vince mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what is going on at the wyckoff street l train um, I don't know. I read in the Daily News that there's a leaky pipe and that it smells like poop. No, so the station for for many years has smelled like like crap. I mean, I, Jimmy, can I say can I say the S word on the air? It no. smells okay. It smells like crap. Mm-hmm. That's okay. And so everyone who uses that station, I'm not saying the smell's okay, I'm including yours truly. I'm like, this place smells like crap. What do you think it is? Turns out, Ruth, what is it? Apparently, poop. It's crap. It's crap. It's, it's crap. crap. There's a sewage leak. For years, and they ch- finally found it. They're going to seal it up. And i got to say, Jimmy, you used the Wyckoff Street Station. You're going to be happy about that. Am I right? All right, got to get out. Jimmy, Last Jimmy, question. Jimmy's Stick excited. with us. Sarah, i, I got a question for you because we've got a couple of minutes left. Okay. So Lenore Skenazy, it rhymes with crazy, had a, had a column in the Brooklyn paper this week. Went up online the other day. I think it's in print. Pick it up on newsstands everywhere. Mm-hmm. Across she America. was slamming Adele, the singer of Brooklyn's – not Brooklyn <laughs> – British singer. She's not a Brooklyn singer. No, she's, no, she belongs to everyone. Girl. That's true. She's a British singer named Adele, one word. And she's got this song called Hello. Hello. Sarah, do you know this song? It's I, me. Not well enough to sing it, but I know it. Else. Okay, it's hard to avoid this song. Am I right, Ruth? Apparently. Yeah, so Skenazy rhymes with crazy, was saying, I don't like this song. It's unavoidable. And I got to say, did you edit that column, Ruth? 
I did not. Did uh, you, Vince? Vince? I did. Okay. So, Vince, you blew it. So what I because do Because the problem with the song is not that it's overexposed, which it is, but that's not Adele's fault. That's not her fault. The problem with the song, it is a lousy song. Do you know the lyrics to this song? Hello, it's me. No, no, yeah. So she's broken up with this guy. He's moved on. Every time she calls him, he doesn't Wait, seem she's to be home. Him? I thought he was calling her. No, no, no. She's Sarah. Yes. You ever break up with someone, man or woman, I don't care. You ever break up with someone, and then like a year later, you call and say, oh, I wonder if you could meet with me so we could go over everything. But you dumped him. Right, no. So what do you think about that? Well, if, that, if those are the really the lyrics of her song, then, then yes, I think you might have something there. I mean, she calls him up, I and she's he upset he's, her. No, and she's upset he's not home. He's out with his pals. He's out with guys like Vince having a drink. Yeah, well, sometimes. He's gone over everything. He's moved on. Ruth, are you with me on this? I mean, I feel like you could analyze the lyrics to you basically everything could. in the top 40 right now and they'd be equally inane. Well, well no. also consider that, so you're clearly a lyrics guy. I'm a lyrics guy. A lot guy. of yeah. people are more for the melody and they notice that before they notice the lyrics. Okay. Yeah, I, so don't, I didn't listen to lyrics, so I'm with you. But Skenazy's yeah. point was that it's an overexposed song. And my point is, if you're going to attack the song, let's get to the heart, or in this case, the, the non-heart of the matter, which is... She's a bad ex-girlfriend. She's trying to chase down this guy. She dumped. She admits she dumped him. I mean, is this re- is this hitting home for me? Uh, only me? Vince, were you never dumped? You're a handsome man. Were you never dumped? No, never. Sarah, you, you've you so, been dumped. Am I right? I have. You've been dumped. So a year later, the guy or the woman, again, I'm not making any judgments, calls you up and says, I want to talk over everything. Now, have you moved on or not? Well, right. So maybe there's regret there. On your side or the dumper? No, on the dumper's uh, side. But, but that's, that's the but that's the dumper. That's calling. The dumper doesn't get to write the song is what I'm I saying, Sarah. he was calling her. <laughs> the dumper doesn't get to write Look, did, the song. Did Adele write this song or did like, Max Martin write this song? Because he writes, what, 90% of the songs on radio and he's Swedish, so there might be a language barrier. All right, man, that's a good question. And then we should get, we should get that. Jimmy, you, you can find that answer for us. Right. My point is, Sarah, we got to pay some bills. Last question. Were you ever dumped? And I'm going to go around the room. Let's start with Vince. Mm-hmm. Were you ever dumped? And then after the fact, the dumper comes in and says, oh, uh, I want to talk about it. No. Never. Sarah, you? No. Ruth? No. Gersh? T- absolutely not. It doesn't happen because they dump me and they don't give a crap about me anymore. Jimmy? You? Jimmy's saying never happened. Johnny? Never happened. So what are we talking about so here? You're saying there's no truth in this song. There's no truth. And so that's, without the truth, you don't have the consequences. That's, the, that's exactly right. Thank you, Mr. Arizona. Okay, we got to pay some bills. I'm going first. Yeah, you go first. Thank you. Ooh, nice. Atlas Steakhouse. Dine a cut above the rest. You select your premium cut. It's aged on site for optimal texture and taste. You enjoy delicious vintage wines, expertly mixed cocktails, and signature appetizers, mm. while Atlas Steakhouse crafts your choice cut into a custom culinary masterpiece, medium for Sarah, medium rare for me. Complete your dining experience with an exquisite signature dessert, and you will understand at Atlas Steakhouse why we say we'll always have you dining a cut above the rest. You got it. Atlas Steakhouse 943, Coney Island Avenue in Kensington, or find them online at atlassteak.com. Gersh, are you looking for a dentist who provides quality care at an affordable price? There has never been a time when I wasn't. Well, look no further than Dr. Joseph Lichter. The dentist and skilled hygienist at Dr. Lichter's state-of-the-art office use the most up-to-date technology and techniques to provide you the best experience possible. Dr. Lichter and his staff perform traditional dental procedures such as teeth cleaning, fillings, root canal therapy, and tooth extractions. But in addition... They offer the latest in restorative and cosmetic dentistry, including implants, porcelain veneers, and crowns, 
fixed bridges, and more. These are procedures that can make a broken smile look like new. The office also offers Invisalign, an alternative to metal braces that uses virtually invisible plastic aligners that shift teeth into place over a period of time. Isn't it time you visit a high-quality, state-of-the-art dentist who keeps dentistry affordable so everyone can benefit? It is. It is. is. Call Dr. Lichter's office today at 718-339-7878 to set up an appointment that can improve your quality of life. And as you know, Dr. Lichter is at Avenue 1420 Avenue P, between East 14th and East 15th Streets in Midwood. You can visit them online at J-O-S-E-P-H-L-I-C-H-T-E-R-D-D-S. And last bill we got to pay. Listen, I got to tell you, I have back pain. I've always had back pain. And now I find out that Dr. Melinda Keller of the Brooklyn Spine Center at 718-234-6207 has a way to reduce that pain. It's called the DRX-9000. It's a spinal decompression device. Now, if you qualify, she puts you in the device. It applies a distraction force to the affected area, which actually allows, through a pumping action, it allows the body's own nutrients to flow back into the affected disc. Now, it's not for everybody. The DRX-9000, you got to be screened for it. So you'll call Dr. Melinda Keller at 718-234-6207 to schedule a consultation and find out if the DRX-9000 is for you. That's the Brooklyn Spine Center at the website brooklynspinecenter.com. Anyway, Vince, we got to get out. We do. we only got about 30 seconds. I want to thank Sarah Metz. Thank you so much, guys. Of the Fillery for joining us. Her store is going to open later in the year. best of luck. Ruth Brown, one of the best editors I have ever worked with. Without question. Vince DiMasselli, extremely handsome man to my right. And Mm -hmm. I'm Gersh Kuntzman. What are you doing tonight, Gersh? I'm going to go see, check out my kids, and I'm going to have goulash night, I believe, at, um, you know, goulash night at uh, Cafe Steinoff? Yes. Goulash night. Thank you, Sarah. What are you going to do with your leftovers? I don't know. I'm going to compost them. Anyway, I'm really sorry I got so upset about the the Adele song, but it really hit home. I don't know why. You know what I'm doing tonight? What are you doing? I'm going to boil up. You're going to boil up? What's that? that? Are you going to wash your clothes? I'm going to wash myself and my clothes. I'm going to get as clean as possible. Make sure I don't have any uh, lice on me. No, that's crumbs. Make sure you don't have any crumbs. I can't have the crumbs. All right. We got to get out. Anyway, thank you very much, Sarah Metz and everybody else. This is Brooklyn Paper Radio every Monday afternoon, live from the Brooklyn Paper Building in downtown Brooklyn, America's downtown. I'm Gersh Kunstman, along with obviously a handsome man, Vince DiMasselli. Thanks, Gersh. See you next week. Oh, the final four. We'll get to it.